You've heard of Grammarly, and you might think it's a fancy spell check, but people on your team have been using it and loving it for years because it does way more than you realize. Grammarly is a secure AI writing partner that works seamlessly across apps and websites and can write an instant first draft in a few clicks, not a few hours. When every word your team writes is clear, concise and on brand, companies can save 19 days per employee per year. Learn what better writing can do for your company at Grammarly.com. Grammarly. Easier said, done. What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more, so you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com slash enterprise data to learn more. From the heart of where innovation, money, and power collide, in Silicon Valley and beyond, this is Bloomberg Technology with Emily Chang. Cupertino, and this is Bloomberg Technology. We are live from Apple's campus, where the company just unveiled its next generation of devices. The upgrades to new iPhones, watches, and AirPods focusing on health, safety, and satellite connectivity. And there was one big surprise. The price of the bottom-of-the-line iPhone unchanged, despite the worst inflation in decades. We are going to give you the full download, but first, I want to get a look with Apple, bringing Carolina Milanese of Creative Strategies, who's here with me at Apple headquarters inside the Steve Jobs Theater for the first time in a few years. Absolutely. Actually. Um, how significant do you think these upgrades are and key are people going to buy these new devices with inflation higher than you know it's been in 40 years? I think it's been interesting to see that the focus today has been on real pain points that consumer have and also hit on the key drivers that you see consumer talk more and more about which is battery life, it's a better display is a better camera with low light conditions. You saw that and you saw how Tim Cook opened the event today talking about the value of each product and then the magic that the three products that we were here for today bring together. And I think that's what you have when you're thinking about upgrading. You might have one of these products that are older than another and you want to get into that cycle so that you can take better advantage of the new features but also feel that magic that Cook was talking about. Well, I wonder if the most significant announcement was the price of that, you know, lowest tier iPhone 14 and it being the same as the iPhone 13 was last year. Yeah, the, the price are the same is a good and a bad, depending where you're looking at it, right? The, we have seen some of the consumer electronic companies bringing their prices up earlier in the year because of inflation, others they kept them the same. I think what was interesting to maybe sweeten a little bit that price point is the deals for the trade-ins that you've seen Apple mention through the carriers in the US and directly from Apple. Eight hundred to a thousand dollars, depending on what model you're trading in. So uh, let's talk about uh, the the other things. Satellite connectivity. I know that was a really big deal, and 
How significant is that going to be in terms of driving more people to buy these phones? I don't know that the satellite is necessarily a, a purchase driver per se, but I think it's that extra peace of mind the same way as you think about insurance, right? You have it, you have to purchase it, you hope you never use it, but you know that it's there in case you need it. And it's the same with the feature of uh, car crash detection, as an example. Peace of mind for you know parents with new drivers coming on, a feature that is both on the watch and on the phone all, way, all the way to the, you know, throughout the portfolio. So the, the safety was an extra, um, if you like, pillar on what Apple built today across the portfolio. All right, let's talk about the Apple Watch Ultra. Significant uh, pricing news there as well. You know, very much undercutting Garmin at the yeah. high end of the market. They called this watch your dive computer. It can go 40 meters below the surface of the ocean. I mean, it seems pretty cool, but how big a market is there for a niche, rugged smartwatch? The reality is that you have the core people that would have bought a Garmin, and then you have the wannabe, and the market for the wannabe, you know, <laughs> the ones that wish they could do an Ironman, but they can't, uh, it, it's considerable, right? And I think what was smart about the design is that despite the size that is so large, it's very lightweight. And so, you know, I have a small wrist like you do, and, and it looks humongous on the wrist, but it's not heavy. So I think they've done a good job in trying from a style perspective to appeal to a broader market, and they could have priced it at $9.99 if they wanted to, but they did not. So what are you looking for in terms of the numbers? I spoke with Tim Cook at the end of earnings last quarter, and he said they do expect revenue to accelerate in the September quarter. Of course, we know that new iPhones are going to go on sale a week before the quarter ends, so they're going to yep. get some additional uh, boost there. You know, how much of a difference is that going to make? And could it give the, the global economy kind of a little morale boost if Apple is able to, you know, beat or even meet expectations? I, I think you have three lines that will contribute to that boost, right? You have the iPhone, and it's interesting that they picked the different times of the release for the iPhone getting into October as well. So you have that carrying through to the next quarter. But you also have something like AirPod, uh, AirPods Pro that at 250 will drive a lot of upgrades. Yeah. So there's a lot of different price points there that will help the bottom line. Um, and as I said, it's the magic of the three coming together. The AirPods were kind of a sleeper hit when they came out, and it's been a long time. A lot of people have been waiting for an upgrade. You know, it was also uh, said today that a lot of people lose their AirPods. Are they going to yeah. want to spend $250 on something that is, yes, beloved, but also easy to misplace? Well, uh, <laughs> I speak from experience. I have a teenager that always loses them, so I feel I feel that pain. They made it easier though, to find them today, mm -hmm. fair enough, right? Uh, so you can find the case and you can find each individual AirPod in an easier way. Uh, and I think the, the, the silly thing of the Mimoji engraving speaks also to that popularity where you have households where you have multiple uh, AirPods that live together and that will make it easier for the consumer to spot which one is mine. And again, with all of these products we talked about, new chips, faster, clearly, uh, you know, big tech upgrades, even though we might not necessarily see them uh, as, as consumers. Uh, Carolina Milanesi of Creative Strategies, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. For joining us. Good to see you. All right, coming up, Apple seems to have supply chain issues under control. Will that keep up? Through the holiday rush amidst rising global tensions, we will discuss. This is Bloomberg. What if everyone at work were an expert communicator? 
What if every doc, message and email they wrote was perfectly clear and concise? Inbox numbers would drop, customer satisfaction scores would rise, and everyone would be more productive. That's where Grammarly comes in. Grammarly is a secure AI writing partner that understands your business and can transform it through better communication. Companies that use Grammarly save an average of 19 days per employee per year. That's because with Grammarly's AI, what used to take a few hours only takes a few clicks, like generating an instant first draft in your company voice or tailoring a message to your specific audience and goals. And Grammarly's personalized on-brand writing help is built in everywhere your team works, across 500,000 apps and websites. Plus, it's safe, secure, and already IT-approved. Join 70,000 teams who trust Grammarly with their words and their data. Learn more at Grammarly.com. Grammarly. Easier said. Done. Success is more than the final destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's discipline. It's teamwork. And it's the drive and passion inside of us that comes before all recognition. It's what Stiefel's been doing for over 130 years. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel's become one of the fastest growing wealth management and investment banking firms in the country. Our financial advisors go beyond traditional wealth management to provide clients with direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises and a leading middle market investment bank because success is the drive it takes to keep climbing, the passion to keep investing, the best of each of us made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Start your journey at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. Apple seems to have managed supply bottlenecks spurred by the pandemic, but now it has to navigate the CHIPS Act and a new policy designed to boost U.S. production of tech products. That includes approval for certain semiconductor exports to countries of concern, including China. I want to bring in CFRA equity analyst Angelo Zeno now for more. So, Angela, first of all, let's talk about supply chain uh, management for this new slate of products. Is Apple going to be able to get all of these new iPhones and watches and AirPods to people who want them in time for the holidays? I mean, as far as getting it in time for the holidays, yes, we think so. Um, you know, I think it's interesting that clearly the, the timing of this event, clearly being on September 7th and the actual um, launch of the phone, phones, right? I mean, you were talking September 16th, I believe, is when shipments start. Um, pretty much a week earlier than we had previously anticipated, to be honest with you. Um, I think that in itself should tell you that they're absolutely managing the supply constraints that, you know, maybe they had to contend with more severely earlier this year in a much better situation. So they should be better positioned here over the next couple of months um, than others out there. Now, I will say this, um, as far as um, these phones are concerned, I mean, it is more supply-driven than demand-driven in terms of expectations for the September quarter. We do expect them to be supply constraints to some extent here over the next couple of weeks. And I think it's really interesting with how they kind of land, uh, uh, kind of uh, put the launch of these phones, right? Three out of the phone, four phones, uh, four devices will be available um, at the end of next week where the other one will be um, in, Octo- um, in October. So that'll help them also better navigate the constraints and put more emphasis on those pro devices, which are, of course are higher priced and better margins. 
so interestingly, when you look at the Apple website and uh, the shipping times, a lot of those times have come down, which is sort of our gauge of you know how much trouble are they having, you know, making all of these products and getting them to customers. The iPhone, Mac, iPad, you know, all pretty much coming, you know, when you want them to come. What are the biggest yeah. pain points going to be though over the next few months? I mean, we've seen various chip companies uh, continuing to struggle as we look at their earnings. You know, what is it about Apple that they're not having these issues? Yeah, so I'd say as far as, you know, I'd say they, they're in much better position than others out there. And the biggest reason is, you know, they, they are the largest kind of, um, you know, uh, purchaser of semiconductor um, goods out there on kind of a, a pure play basis, right? I mean, if you take out Samsung, which kind of, um, you know, utilizes kind of their own semi, you know, their own smartphone demand to kind of feed their own business, that's not necessarily the case here. Um, with Apple. Apple kind of outsources all their semiconductor needs out there. So they, they have significant needs out there. And because of that, um, they definitely get kind of, they're first in line in order to kind of get um, those goods. Um, at the end of the day, though, when we kind of look ahead here, in terms of where the supply constraints continue to be most severe, it's definitely at this more trailing edge technology nodes. It's more your kind of um, you know, your microprocessors, you know, your, your uh, microcontrollers and what have you of the world, and um, Apple does need to purchase those type of um, components. But um, again, they are in better position than others out there to um, get those orders fulfilled. Obviously, we know how interconnected Apple's supply chain is with China. They've, they've been trying to diversify that, and it, it likely won't be so intertwined in years to come, but that's still the case for now. How will rising global tension impact Apple? How will the CHIPS Act come into play? So, you know, I, I think longer term, you know, clearly Apple does want to further diversify its supply chain, and they clearly are looking to do so. We think kind of um, their emphasis is absolutely going to be more so in India than other regions of the world, um, rightfully so, because when you actually think about where the demand um, upside could potentially come from from Apple here over the next decade, I think um, India is a big reason um, if you are a bull on Apple just from the natural, natural wealth effect that will take place in India over the next 10, 20 years. So it makes a lot of sense for Apple to start kind of um, expanding into that geographic region. But that being said, Apple remains very well positioned within China. We don't necessarily actually expect them to, um, you know, shut down any type of production out there. And to be honest with you, as more and more chip companies out there kind of evolve within China, there's actually a possibility um, where Apple could potentially use their local semiconductor manufacturing industry as well. But that being said, I mean, we do expect them to continue to um, look for ways to expand and further diversify outside of China. But India will be the, the key there. I don't know how much of a, a, an impact kind of the chip tax will have um, within the U.S., but I think only time will tell. The big question remains how many people are going to upgrade these, uh, upgrade their devices in the middle of a downturn when they're already paying more uh, for everything else. How significant do you think the pricing that we heard today, the Apple Watch Ultra at $799, the, the, the new iPhone 14 at $799, the same price it was yeah. last year uh, as the iPhone 13, that, that seems to be pretty significant. 
Yes, I mean, listen, I actually thought there was a possibility they could have raised the prices on some of those pro devices, but I'm kind of happy that they didn't. To be honest with you, when you kind of look um, at Apple here, first off, um, our forecast for the upcoming cycle here in terms of the iPhone 14 cycle is actually no growth in terms of on the unit side of things. However, we do expect average selling prices to increase about 3%, at least 3%, and that's going to just be the, the, the actual improving mix. I mean, clearly they're ditching the, the mini out there, um, adding the 6.7-inch um, plus device, and then you know just, the, just what they've announced on the pro side of things relative to what they've done with the two standard devices, I think there's a big enough gap where you could potentially see more consumers kind of gravitate out there um, more towards the pro devices, at least for the September quarter and December quarter, um, where we remain very optimistic in terms of um, units. We we're about two to three percent above the street. We do get a little bit more concerned on the macro side of things as we go into the March and June quarters and the cycle extends. All right, Angelo Zeno, CFRA, thank you for giving us the big picture view. Appreciate it. Jumping in Wednesday's session after a Delaware judge told Elon Musk, no, we can't delay this trial with Twitter. Of course, Elon trying to walk away from that $44 billion deal. Bloomberg's Ed Ludlow here with all the details. Ed, kind of a big loss for Musk here, meaning he won't have as much time to pull together uh, some additional discovery. What is this signal from the judge? Yeah, yeah, and best day for Twitter shares since mid-July. The idea being that a, a brisker schedule timeline for trial favors Twitter. Most analysts, including our Bloomberg intelligence litigation team, would say that that brisker schedule boosts the odds that Twitter will be able to enforce the original deal terms, which is, you know, Emma, $54.20 a share, valuing Twitter at $44 billion. And Judge uh, Kathleen St. Jude McCormick basically said that she couldn't delay the trial by even four weeks. Remember, Musk's team were asking for December because if she did, then it could bring harm to Twitter's business that she couldn't justify. So one win for Elon Musk is that he can use the complaints of this whistleblower, yeah. which recently emerged to an extent. Explain. Yeah, so this is Peter Zatko, who filed a whistleblower uh, complaint on August 23rd, basically saying that Twitter had security deficiencies making its platform vulnerable to hackers, and in this complaint that he'd been told by a senior Twitter executive that there was a spots issue. That now, what the judge is saying is that incrementally, the Musk team can go out as part of discovery ahead of trial to include some of that information that was in the August 23rd whistleblower filing in their uh, legal armory, so to speak. But again, it all comes back, uh, down to Musk having to prove the same impact, the same legal point that he has had to all along, which is material adverse effect. And again, street analysts, Bloomberg intelligence litigation analysts see this being in Twitter's favor at this point. All right, Ed Ludlow, thank you.
Meantime, on Tuesday night, Alphabet's CEO, Sundar Pichai, defended the company in response to claims that it is anti-competitive. At the Code Conference, he also commented on Google's decision to remove former President Trump's Truth Social app from the App Store. Bloomberg's Alex Barinka was in the room for Pichai's remarks. She joins us now. So, Alex, let's start on the, the, the anti-competitive uh, accusations. You know, not a surprise that he defended Alphabet and Google's position there. But what do you make of how he did it. Yeah, Emily, he brought it up at basically every turn. Sundar was on stage for about 45 minutes, and whether he was talking about the ad market, about commerce, about competition with TikTok, he brought it back to this argument uh, that their company, that Alphabet, is not anti-competitive, that in fact there is a lot of competition out in the market. Now, it is a timely argument for him to be making. Um, just last month, our colleagues reported, based on their sourcing, that the DOJ may be bringing another anti-competition suit against against Google on their ad business. You'll remember that there's already a suit out there from the DOJ alleging the company dominates the search market. So it seems like antitrust is definitely on the mind of Alphabet CEO. And he really wanted to remind us that, you know, they have rivals out there in the market as well. Meantime, he gave some detail, more detail than I think uh, we would expect about their decision to remove Trump's Truth Social app from the Google Play Store. Tell us what he had to say. Yeah, that's right. He uh, pointed to uh, kind of what it's coming down to for removing it right now, which is content moderation. He kind of talked at length that the Google Play Store has standards for what they expect the apps on um, on that platform to kind of uh, participate in when it comes to content moderation and said that it seems like they are uh, looking at that more closely. He also pointed out that the Google Play Store did bring on Parler recently. So um, there has been movement there for some of these platforms that that seem to be uh, friendlier to Trump or allow Trump on the platform in terms of getting them into the Play Store. But for Truth Social, that content moderation piece and making sure that they can kind of abide by the standards that Google expects seems to be the breaking point at the moment. Meantime, he talked about his goal to make Google 20% more productive, which is really significant given how massive that company is. Does that mean layoffs? Uh, potentially. Um, it seemed like yesterday he talked about um, finding kind of producti productivity gains. He gave some examples, um, past examples, like having multiple music uh, applications on different sides of Alphabet's platforms and combining those into one. He also talked about things like uh, teams that have perhaps three managers as the decision maker uh, when there should only be one, and that slows things down, so perhaps you don't need uh, that many people. But for Google, look, they are are uh, struggling like the rest of the ad-driven uh, businesses out there in big tech. So he's absolutely looking to efficiencies. And it sounds like right now um, they're going through kind of a holistic process of figuring out where they have duplications in the business that they can narrow down uh, and where perhaps the business should be moving faster with fewer voices to make sure that it is hitting those productivity goals. All right, Alex Barinka for us. I know you'll be back at Code later tonight, and we'll be looking for your dispatches.
Welcome back to Bloomberg Technology. I'm Emily Chang in Cupertino, where Apple just unveiled a new line of products. Let's talk about it all with Maribel Lopez, founder and principal analyst of Lopez Research. Good to see you back here Thanks, in person. Sir. You know, I thought it was interesting. They obviously unveiled, you know, a ton of new things today. Some features geared for everyone and some geared towards more niche users, whether it's, you know, an outdoor enthusiast or there was also a focus on um, women's health. What stood out most to you? What I thought was interesting is we're at a real mature state of the market right now. We have to do some things that are definitely for a niche market, like the outdoor enthusiast. But you still want in every release to make sure that there's something for everybody. So we had crash detection in the watch. We had uh, temperature sensors for women's health. We had satellite, which is in all of the iPhone 14s so that anybody can have emergency calling. So it was really that balance of things that were very specific, like you can have a dive computer on your watch. I know, they said that. That word multiple times, dive computer. I didn't two know tracking the two menstrual could cycles. be in the same phrase. I mean, what a range. How, let's talk about the everyday, that, and you know, women are half the population. How compelling are some of these women's health features in terms of convincing a new audience to upgrade? We want this watch to be for everything, mm -hmm. right? If you're going to wear this every day, then you want it to really do things that matter in your life. And nothing is more important to women at certain points in their mm -hmm. life than being able to understand what's happening with their menstrual cycle. So I think that they really hit a curve that that makes sense for a broad percentage of the populace. They also double down on the privacy features there because obviously we're talking about really personal information. Absolutely. Privacy has been Apple and Tim Cook's big thing. You know, they've continually said, you know, we are doing this better than anyone else. We are protecting you and your data. How important is that in terms of the marketing? I think one of the things that we're seeing is really a bifurcation of those that care about privacy and those that don't. Those that monetize you with your data and those that are saying, hey, this is really about you buying the product and it's your information. And I think no one is excelling at that message better than Apple right now. But Apple is also building out its own advertising business, right? Is there some it will, hypocrisy it will. there? <laughs> um, we don't know yet is uh -huh. the short answer because we don't know exactly what type of data they're going to collect or what they're going to do with okay. it or what the privacy constraints are around it. But it's clear that everybody wants advertising dollars. So let's talk about the outdoor enthusiasts. And, yes. and, and I mean, first of all, the video was just absolutely amazing and all the different deserts and uh, you know snow-covered mountaintops they, they went to. Um, but how, how, how big a driver do you think this, this will be? I mean, they obviously did undercut the Garmin watch, the mm -hmm. high-end Garmin watch, significantly. Absolutely. Um, I look at this very similar to how the Mac was theoretically designed for creatives. The watch is now also an outdoor enthusiast specialty. You don't need a dive computer. You don't need a Garmin watch. Uh, if you are a uh, triathlete or anybody, frankly, that just really wanted all-day battery life and to be out there and to know it was going to work, I think they struck a chord. These were complaints that had been in the marketplace, and now they've addressed them. So, you know, let's talk about what this means over the longer term because, you know, 50% of Apple's revenue now comes from the iPhone, but you're not going to buy an Apple Watch or AirPods if you don't have an iPhone. So right. are you seeing Apple becoming even more reliant on the iPhone or still less reliant on the iPhone? I think the world is reliant on smartphones, so that iPhone absolutely has to have features that sell it because it drags the entire ecosystem with it, and that's not going to change. Mm -hmm. So what are you looking, when you, when you look out over the holidays and, you know, potentially a very busy quarter, but customers under pressure, you know, 
know, they're paying more for gas and groceries and literally everything, though, you know, iPhones staying at the same price. Uh, thank you, Apple. Um, are, what do you think this upgrade cycle is really going to look like in a downturn? I think the upgrade cycle is going to be contentious. I mean, people have to make choices between what they're going to buy. You know, in some cases, this is going to be, are you going to have heat or are you going to have an iPhone? Uh, but having said that, a smartphone is so critical to what people do in their lives that they'll choose a smartphone over, say, a PC as something. So I think that there's still great opportunity for the fourth quarter to be a great quarter for Apple. All right. Uh, Maribel Lopez, Lopez Research, good to have you back here on the show. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. For stopping by. Let you cool off. All right. Coming up, we're going to talk a little bit more about those satellites and just how game-changing that new technology can potentially be, the ability to send SOS messages without cell service. Details next. This is Bloomberg. What if everyone at work were an expert communicator? What if every doc, message, and email they wrote was perfectly clear and concise? Inbox numbers would drop, customer satisfaction scores would rise, and everyone would be more productive. That's where Grammarly comes in. Grammarly is a secure AI writing partner that understands your business and can transform it through better communication. Companies that use Grammarly save an average of 19 days per employee per year. That's because with Grammarly's AI, what used to take a few hours only takes a few clicks, like generating an instant first draft in your company voice or tailoring a message to your specific audience and goals. And Grammarly's personalized on-brand writing help is built in everywhere your team works, across 500,000 apps and websites. Plus, it's safe, secure, and already IT-approved. Join 70,000 teams who trust Grammarly with their words and their data. Learn more at Grammarly.com. Grammarly. Easier said. Done. Success is more than the final destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's discipline. It's teamwork. And it's the drive and passion inside of us that comes before all recognition. It's what Stiefel's been doing for over 130 years. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel's become one of the fastest growing wealth management and investment banking firms in the country. Our financial advisors go beyond traditional wealth management to provide clients with direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises and a leading middle market investment bank. Because success is the drive it takes to keep climbing, the passion to keep investing, the best of each of us made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Start your journey at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. Unlike stationary cell towers, communication satellites are hundreds of miles above the Earth and flying at over 15,000 miles per hour. To connect to these satellites, you need to be outside with a clear view of the sky. And the bandwidth is so limited that even sending a text message is a technical challenge. Typically, the only way to tap into such a network is with an expensive device that uses a bulky external antenna. We knew that approach just wouldn't work for iPhone. So, we invented another way. We designed and built custom components and specific software so that iPhone 14 antennas can connect to a satellite's unique frequencies. There's one stock that went wild during the iPhone 14 unveiling, and it wasn't Apple, Bloomberg's Ed Ludlow. Back now with a look at Global Star, very important partner 
Ed? Global star. Global star. 50 minutes into the Apple presentation, Global Star is down 16% and the stock is halted pending news. On stage in Cupertino where you are, M, they're discussing the satellite text capabilities of the latest generation of iPhone. A few minutes later, the stock begins trading again. You see that on the right-hand side of your screen. It jumps from a decline of 16% to a gain of 41% before ultimately closing down 1.2%. Now, there have been rumors for almost a year that Global Star would partner with Apple to be the satellite operator, which confirmed now in that regulatory filing, Apple is going to pay Global Star fees to provide this service. But for Global Star, this is a big win. This is a tiny company, $3.7 billion market cap, sales in the hundreds of millions of dollars each year. But for them, this is a really big win. Big win indeed, and putting a lot of speculation to rest. Thank you, Ed. I want to talk more about Apple's new satellite connectivity um, and bring in Chris Quilty, the founder of Quilty Analytics, which works exclusively in the satellite and space industry. This is something, Chris, I know that you've been following for a very long time. And on stage today, Apple talked about how this took years uh, to put into practice hardware, software, infrastructure, innovation. Just how significant is it that Apple um, says they can now pull this off. Well, I think it's a, a good innovation form. I think it's also a first step. Uh, the service, as it was announced today, is a, a fairly limited, uh, you know, worst-case scenario, good to have as a background technology. But if you've been watching the broader industry landscape, there's lots of things happening with satellite phone connectivity and other companies, uh, including SpaceX and T-Mobile, uh, just last week or two weeks ago that announced a service that's uh, a substantially more viable service. Uh, companies like Iridium that are working with handset manufacturers, AST, Space Mobile, Link, and supposedly uh, Android and Google are coming out with satellite phone connectivity also. So let's talk about the T-Mobile and SpaceX example. What do they offer that Apple does not? Well, the fundamental difference here uh, that really matters is the spectrum. Uh, in the case of the Apple announcement, they are using dedicated satellite-only spectrum, which means Apple has to put, as they said, specific hardware antennas and chips to work with that satellite-only hardware uh, spectrum. Uh, in the case of global, uh, what SpaceX is doing with T-Mobile or AST working with Vodafone and AT&T, they're actually using the carrier spectrum. So there's no change that needs to be made, made to the device itself. All the work will be done by the satellite. Uh, in the case of a company like AST, they're building one of the largest satellites certainly one of the most powerful satellites out there in order to do the work that the handset can't because the handset has no modifications made to it. So if this is a good first step, as you say, what do you imagine the second and third step might be? Yeah, so um, clearly uh, this is a, an opening salvo by Apple. It provides a basic level of service. Uh, can probably draw some extra interest in the iPhone 14. But I think given what's happening in the broader landscape, if Apple is serious about this, they would have to look at potentially building a satellite constellation of their own. Uh, perhaps not a surprise that Global Star does have a filing for over 3,000 satellites to potentially launch. And they'd have to build satellites uh, unlike the current second-gen or recently ordered third-gen satellites that have a much bigger antenna, much more power, and are 
optimize for working with that consumer handset. So let's play this out a little bit. Do you imagine that someday Apple might be interested in building a competitor to Starlink, for example? Um, I would say not exactly Starlink. Uh, Starlink's main purpose is is broadband, and uh, you know that's not Apple's game, at least potentially here in the near term. Uh, I think the reason that they partnered with Global Star, uh, they're probably one of the the weaker players in terms of their current revenue and their their customer profile within the satellite uh, mobile satellite spectrum industry. What they do have is a very good spectrum position. And uh, if they eventually use the full uh, aspect of that spectrum, but there is a potential to offer a higher data rate service, certainly nothing that would compare with a Starlink service. But you know, think of it as a, uh, a 3G, 4G, maybe even up to a low level 5G type service in the longer term. All right, fascinating to look that far out, if you will, to play on Apple's own words. Chris Quilty, Quilty Analytics co-founder, Thank you. These incredible products each offer so many great capabilities and work seamlessly together in a way that only Apple can deliver. Making products that are so personal. Apple CEO Tim Cook there. Before we go, I want to recap today's event. I am joined now by Bloomberg's Mark Gurman, our resident Apple expert, and Julie Oscar Forrester, research vice president and principal analyst there. Good to see you, Julie. You. Mark, I want to start with you because obviously you previewed so many of the things that we saw today, but there must have been some surprises. What stood out most to you? You know, leading up to the, to the event, there were a lot of analysts who were expecting iPhone price hikes, particularly on the iPhone 14 Pro and Pro Max line. Uh, I had never heard that was happening, so I didn't believe it was happening. And little do we know, they announced it today with no price hikes. Very interesting in light of inflation, uh, price increases you're seeing from Meta, from Samsung, and from other companies. Uh, however, there are some inflationary-related price increases you're seeing in Europe and India. But if you want an iPhone 14 Pro, it's going to be that same 999. Now, I will note, if you look at the fine print, at some of the carrier deals this year, they're not as aggressive as last year, right? So last year, you were able to upgrade from a 12 Pro Max to a 13 Pro Max and get like 50 bucks cash back on top of getting that new phone. This year, that same upgrade from a 13 Pro Max to a 14 Pro Max, it's gonna cost most people between $300 and $600. So the carrier deal's not as aggressive. You know, Julie, yeah, sure. it's almost a given that every year the price of the iPhone goes up. We get a new one and the price goes up. What do you make of Apple's play here? Is this genius or not? Well, I think it's a nod to the economic headwinds that we feel like a lot of consumers are facing. So I think it was very smart, not only keeping the prices relatively flat, but you also heard Tim Cook say the word essential a lot. It's essential, it's essential. And it's not only essential, but now it's essential to our health and essential to our safety. So I think it's, it's smart marketing. Mark, when it comes to the technology, you know, as you reported, we're seeing more significant upgrades than we saw last year. But to some people, they might still look at this phone and say, looks like basically this, this, the same phone. But, you know, those technological upgrades that go into, you know, a new chip, thinner, faster, longer battery life are so hard to do. Can you talk to us about the significance of, of the inside changes that we can't see? Sure. I mean, if you're looking at the jump from the 13 to the 14, I'm not talking about the pro models, 
I think I can sit here today and safely tell you that there is absolutely no reason for you to upgrade. There's no faster processor. The battery life is about the same. And the camera enhancements going from the 13 to the 14 are not that significant. But when you get to the Pro models, you are seeing major changes, right? That new notch cutout, they really turned something that's an ugly portion of the iPhone into something that, quite frankly, looks awesome, right? Changing the notch into a softer area where you can see when your Uber's arriving, uh, you could see your music playback. And that technology is something they've you know, spent years developing. The Apple Watch Pro, we first wrote about that about two years ago. This thing has been in development probably in some way or another since the original Apple Watch launched seven years ago. Talk, let's talk about the car crash feature, right? That required them to actually do car crash testing. They showed a video of that. That takes years. Right? They need to get this right. That's years of data collection. And the lengths they go to for testing and development in terms of features like that probably go beyond what any other company in the space goes through. Right. You know, I've dropped my phone so many times. How are they going to know that's not a car crash, Julie? <laughs> well, you weren't going 60 miles per hour, so there's that. <laughs> You're probably just standing. But you know, what do you agree with there, and, and, and what would you pick a bone with of what Mark had to say? Yeah, so I think the technological advances are pretty substantial, but I think the thing is, for a lot of consumers, it's just, it's subtle. Right. You know, and it's one of those things, if you're just going from a 13 to a 14, you're like, okay, it's a little bit better, but if you're going from like an 11 or a 12 to a 14, you can't really articulate it as a consumer, but at some point you're like, oh my goodness, that's so much better, it's so much brighter, the pictures are so much better, I had no idea. So there's a lot of things I think that are just subtle. Uh, I think a lot of the other things they did, they added sensors, right? So when you add sensors, you get more data, you get more precise data, they can model more activities. Uh, like my favorite, as I told you, is being able to track uh, my kick sets in the pool, right? They can do that with these kinds of sensors. Uh, there's other really subtle things about managing the battery, like dimming the phone. Uh, you know, the transparency, the spatial audio, there's a lot of things that are just really subtle, I think that are hard to communicate to consumers, but when consumers experience it, they just have a wow effect. What's your sense of how difficult supply chain issues are going to be to manage over the next six months? I don't, you know, I would say uh, not being an expert in the supply chain, you know, it seems to be impacting the world economy, but somehow Apple seems to be doing okay. And Mark, you would agree with that, right? I mean, when you look at the lead times on these various products, they're not that bad. Yeah, so far on the uh, Apple Watch Ultra, what we're seeing is only one of the three variations is already shipping at the end of October, whereas you still get first day, September 23rd availability uh, for two of the bands. Now, the, the impact seems to be on the bands themselves, not the Watch Ultra. So if you're trying to get a Watch, watch Ultra on launch day, my recommendation for you would buy any band combination just to get that watch and then worry about buying the band you want later. Uh, so clearly in terms of the production process for those bands, trying to figure out which bands are going to be more popular, uh, that's going to be you know tougher for Apple. Also, the Watch Ultra is one skew, right? One color, uh, one finish, one screen size, right? Much uh, less complex to produce when you have fewer skews. So I think they're going to be OK on that. I also think they're going to be just fine on iPhone production. Uh, the issues they had with iPad and Mac supply, uh, those seem, in, based on my research, probably 90 to 95% resolved. Uh, we'll see what happens in October, November, when they launch uh, new variations for the Mac uh, and the iPad Pro. Now 
One thing we didn't hear much about is the mixed reality headset uh, that you've, of course, been reporting on. I know you're expecting it to come next year. Unless there were some Easter eggs today that I didn't see, did you hear anything, Mark, that gave you more clues as to what this headset will look like? No, no Easter eggs today. Uh, I know in Power On we wrote the other day there would be no, uh, you know, reveal of this mixed reality headset. Uh, I'm not expecting them to announce that until next year, and I think 2023 and 2024 will be the year of AR and VR for Apple. Uh, no new augmented reality features on the iPhone, uh, nothing AR related to the watch. Uh, there are some new transparency modes and some cool new audio features uh, for the AirPods Pro 2 announced today. It's plausible that some of that functionality will make their way into the speaker system on uh, the Reality Pro, which is, I believe will be the name of the headset next year. Uh, but I think we're still a few months away before seeing uh, that headset come to fruition. And what about the M word, Julie, the metaverse? What's Apple's play going to be? Do they need one? Well, there is no, there is no metaverse, <laughs> so Apple's not late yet. No, I think, you know, more seriously, I think Apple's really good at timing the market. Mm -hmm. And what we're seeing now are some metaverse precursors, which means we've got some luxury brands selling you a Gucci purse for your avatar in Roblox, which is probably something more that your children play. Right, so there's some things like... I, I prefer a real Gucci at this point, but... Um, a real Gucci yeah. at this point? No, but I think, and also, I think the, you know, the notion of these augmented reality glasses, like we, we're just not there with the technology yet where we can get a comfortable headset on consumers that's going to wow them with a great use case at the right price point. So I think, you know, I, I agree with Mark. We may see some kind of a pro version announced in the next couple of years, uh, but I believe uh, Apple will come into the market when they feel the market's ready and they feel consumers ready, there's a good use case, and uh, I think Apple's just generally very good at timing the market and I think it's still too early. And Mark, you've reported that they're still working through, you know, hardware software issues with that forthcoming headset. I, I, I want to end with you on comments that Tim Cook made to me uh, around the last earnings call, uh, you know, which, which aligned with your reporting that Apple is going to be spending through the downturn. That's something that they've always done. He feels like it's made them stronger on the other side, but also that they're going to be deliberate about that spending. Do you have any sense of where Apple will pull back uh, and not quickly? Yeah, I mean, I think that you're seeing budget cuts across the company. I don't think you're seeing that happen to core areas. I think that they have enough people to launch the products they want to launch. I think you're going to see a slowdown in hiring. In fact, they are doing a slowdown in hiring. It's very difficult right now to get hiring approval at Apple. Uh, you're going to see them spend probably about the same on research and development for the next year or so. So just no growth there. Okay. But I'm not alarmed about the company's prospects because of this. All right. Bloomberg's Mark Gurman, Julie Osk of Forrester Research. Thank you both. Couldn't think of a better way to end the show. Um, and thank you all for watching this special edition of Bloomberg Technology from Apple headquarters in Cupertino. Thursday, we've got a fun show coming up. Golden State Warriors, Andre Iguodala will be with us. If you're an Iggy fan, you don't want to miss it. This is Bloomberg. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.